Hi, I'm Barry Clark. Welcome to the Mortgage and Property Podcast brought to you by Mortgage Monster. Now sit back, relax and get ready for top tips, tricks and advice to help you with all of your mortgage and property needs. So first time buyer, we know that getting your mortgage can seem like a scary and confusing prospect. So you want to have as much information as possible when you speak to your broker. Today's podcast, we talk about seven things that you should avoid before applying for your mortgage to make sure you have the best chance of moving into your dream home. Today, I'm joined by Luther, who's part of our marketing team. Hello, mate. Hello. <laughs> Luther's becoming a regular on the podcast because he sounds very, very relaxed. And I have been told we had quite bad reviews saying that I was speaking very, very quickly. So Luther's here to I'm going to slow it down a bit. And calm me down. <laughs> So one of our podcasts was a bit worried I have to run to the loo. <laughs> That's the reason why I was speaking so quickly. <laughs> the reason for it was because, uh, what was it? Because we had someone coming. Some interruptions, yeah. Some unusual uh, a client kind of, kind of come in. And, and uh, yeah, so that was the reason <laughs> for that. So we shall try to um, slow things down and take it bit by bit and not speak at 300 miles an hour, which I'm very, very guilty of. So, Lufa, um, thank you very much for joining us today. How are you? You all right? I'm very good, thank you. Good, good. All right, so I understand that you've got uh, probably a big question for us. Go on, mate, what is it? Well, uh, you know, I, I know a bunch of things can affect, you know, like you know, the chances whether you get a mortgage or not. I just mm -hmm. wanted to make sure, like, whether any of these actually, in fact, do change your chances. So, like, uh, for my first off is, you know, failing to check your credit report. So, um, yeah, so failing to check your, your credit report is, is a really, really key thing. So, you know, we have clients potentially that have um, had some missed payments or late payments in, in, in the past potentially, or sometimes they've got debts they either didn't know they had, or I've had clients, for example, that have had a, a county court judgment, so CCJ, which is kind of means that you can't pay your um, debts almost. And lenders look at that in a really, really negative way because they're saying, well, for example, we, we had a client uh, probably only about a month or so ago that actually um, had their car registered to um, their parents' address and the parents then moved. Um, the guy actually got a parking fine. And that parking fine, uh, where they're writing to the old address, uh, got kind of, you know, sent a few nasty letters after that. Then they put it over to the debt collections agency who then registered in the CCJ. So the client had no idea they had a CCJ at all. And when we sat down with them, they they, they failed. Uh, one lender we thought they would go with, thought they should go with, with clean credit. It didn't, so we asked them to obtain their credit report. And that's where we found out mm. that they had this, this CCJ, which meant that, you know, they had to go with a more specialist lender for a little while because most of them are going to look at that and go, look, you know, if you can't pay a parking fine and fines that amount to £150, how are you going to pay this this £200,000 mortgage, basically? Yeah. So it's to just to, before you go to any broker or anything, it's just to make sure, just check so there are no nasty surprises. Exactly. So 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 get a, get, get a copy of, of, of your credit report. And we'll put a link um, in this somewhere to show who we recommend. And we'd obviously recommend you use somewhere that checks all four of the credit reference agencies. So I recommend you do look at mm. someone like Check My File. And that's going to check Experian, uh, Equifax, TransUnion, Call Credit, um, uh, it's free for the first 30 days. Um, so it means you can obtain your, your credit report completely free. But after that, it's $14.99 a month if you choose not to cancel the um, direct debit that you set up afterwards. Um, but that shows you your complete credit score. And when you give it to your broker, it means they can have a look through and just highlight any potential issues. So, you know, having your, your credit report on your credit score is really good because sometimes you can have a really, really good credit score. But sometimes the report mm. might not be great if you've gone and got a few missed and late payments and this sort of stuff. So, Certainly obtaining your credit score so at least you know where we're starting from is going to be really, really, really valuable. And of course, what we don't want to do if your credit 
is already a little bit precarious is we don't start throwing you up against centers that we think that you fit with mm, when yeah. potentially you're not going to fit there in the first place because you know every single time you do a credit uh you have a credit search um potentially sometimes that that can reduce your score a little bit temporarily um, and the reason for that is a really good reason for that is if say for example someone gets hold of your your identity and they try and take out you know two mobile phones two you know, three loans four credit cards um, you know, a couple of kind of, I don't know, phone-free deals or whatever else it is, it means that every time that happens, you have a credit score and that will temporarily reduce uh, your score slightly. So if you're taking lots and lots of different credits uh, or credit applications, lots of different places, it gets to a point where your credit score, you know, crashes so that potentially you can't, uh, that person can't take any more credit out on your behalf and that kind of limits from doing so, mm. which is what it's designed for, you know, applying for, for two or three different, uh, lenders, you know, potentially uh, would be it'd be absolutely key for us to look at your your your, your credit score. Um, the other thing we can tell with your with your credit score and your credit file as well is look, you know, if your credit file is completely clean and we don't know what it is that's causing the issue, potentially then we could recommend that you write off to maybe one of the fraud reference agencies um, and check you're not registered on kind of a uh, any form of kind of you know CFIS register. Or any kind of fraud register, basically. So if your credit file is completely clean, we're still getting, you know, lenders which are looking at you going, no, we can't lend you. Then we need to go to the second tier of checking stuff, which is potentially just to make sure you're not you're not on any kind of fraud database. So that that credit, you know, report gives us a really good idea, just to make you know a really good kind of starting point for you. That means that we know who we're going to target, what we're going to do. Is any small is any small in there? We need to kind of. Um, change or mix up or kind of you know anything that, that that's incorrect potentially then we can kind of sometimes help to fix those before we actually apply for an application so really the earlier better i would say is even if you're looking to get a mortgage in you know a month three months six months 12 months two years five years whatever else it is let's have a look at your credit report you know sit down with someone who knows that their way through it and let's have a look and just see you know how we can potentially uh, fix those. And say sometimes it's not about the credit report. Sometimes credit report might be absolutely all okay. Then we have to go then you know and do some more investigation. Um, and we have also recently helped a client as well that was actually on one of these four databases, and we've kind of you know guided through the the best way to kind of uh, uh, you know we actually challenged the, the original lender that put something on there from a previous broker. Um, and we actually uh, we actually kind of helped her to kind of look at and 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 just kind of double check on the information on there, and she actually got put on there incorrectly. So we were able to get her off of this fraud register. I'm not saying we'll do that, you know. I'm not saying that we can have yeah. clients do that, and it's something the client kind of has to do themselves a little bit. Mm. But at least we can kind of see if stuff's right in, in in the background. So really, you know, getting your credit report and get in front of someone that understands these things is going to be a huge, huge first step. Okay. Uh, I've also heard that this, you know, also affects your chances. You know, if you uh, make massive purchases before, you know, you uh, you get started with your mortgage. Well, yeah, I mean, p potentially it can do so. So say, for example, you know, if you were to make, you know, a really huge purchase or you were to kind of get in a, in a bit more debt just before your mortgage, lenders are, going to, lenders are always going to look at what you've got coming in, or what you've got going out and look at the difference um, between the two, basically. And so that gives you the money you're out, the money you've got left over, and some of that then you can pay towards a mortgage. Mm. So, for example, you have have had clients that you know before looking at mortgage, they've gone, oh, okay, well, you know, my car's broken, so I've gone out and bought you know a nice new car. I've not bought any car. They've bought you know a Mercedes or a, or, or a BMW on kind of five hundred pounds a month. Yeah. Well, look, 
you know, if you're earning twenty thousand pounds and you're getting kind of fifteen hundred pounds net pay, and a third of that goes towards a, a car, then your available balance left over is less. Mm. Um, so that means there's less potential you can spend on a mortgage. So lenders will take outgoings into account. So yeah, so for that for that statement, it would look like you know you don't you wouldn't have anything left to uh, give back. Exactly, you, you'd have left left yeah. over to be able to spend on your kind of day to day running. So again, I would say you know speak to a broker. And, uh, you know, ask the question, how would this potential big purchase uh, affect my ability to basically borrow? And it's not just first-time buyers. You know, everybody's saying this is first-time buyers alone, but it's not just first-time buyers. There's mm. another client as well who recently purchased a, um, uh, like a, a mobile home, like a, a caravan home. Oh, yeah. Um, and they didn't think that it, w- it would go against them. Uh, well, look, you know, if we're coming to kind of, um, you know, remortgage and potentially you know, you've now got an additional debt of kind of 800 to a thousand pounds a month. That mm-hmm. will make a difference normally on the amount you're allowed to borrow. I've heard that, you know, when changing jobs or if you go uh, self-employed also has a impact on your chances of getting a mortgage. Yeah. I mean, ch- changing jobs is, is, is probably not, not quite so, so terrible because uh, I mean, some lenders will want you to be in that job for, well, for example, some lenders, uh, when you have your new job potentially, so you have a contract for your new job, some lenders will, will, will use that. Some lenders will allow you to, um, you know, actually uh, get a mortgage on their uh, criteria if they've been in your job one day. Some will want to see one month's, uh, you know, full work and one month's passive as well as a contract. Mm-hmm. You know, other lenders might want to see three months or six months. So really changing role or changing job, you know, that that that's kind of not too terrible. You don't have to be in your job for a year or whatever else is before your mortgage. Well, lenders would see that people don't, you know, generally change jobs unless it's for something normally a little bit better. Yeah. So whether being kind of, you know, more money or, you know, closer or whatever else it is, generally they, they change jobs for the better. So lenders realize that people kind of do change jobs all the time. Now, the really difficult thing is, is around lenders, um, the way that lenders look at income. So say, for example, you went from being employed, say, for example, being self-employed, if you went from being self-employed to being a, a you know forming a limited company, uh, all those have different criteria from lenders. Mm. So, for example, when you're employed, uh, most lenders are going to want to see your last three months payslips, for example. Now, when you're self-employed, lenders are going to want anywhere between one year and three years worth of proof of income. So, if say for example you've been employed for the last god knows how many years, you know, you've got payslips and everything else, and three months ago then you decided to go to go self-employed. Lenders, uh, you know, now that job's ended, they can't actually use that income anymore because that's gone, that's done, that's finished. You know, moving forwards, um, you're now going to be self-employed, uh, uh, which basically means that lenders are going to need, uh, say, between one and three years worth of worth of proof. And most lenders are going to want at least two years, basically, because when you're self-employed, it might take a little bit of time to get that business up and running mm-hmm. or to get yourself up and running. Uh, some kind of you know investment at the front end potentially and normally then your second year is when you start then to kind of you know get some money back in so normally first year is a bit smaller second year might might be a bit bigger because you know you may have got more clients or you know you you, you build your business the majority of lenders are going to want to see the last two years worth of income they're probably going to average those as well so if it's gone up mm. they generally want to average those two years um, however, it's gone down, they're probably going to take the, 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 the latest year rather than average of the two years because the business is kind of going downwards. So really being self-employed mean that lenders may want to wait up to two years to see how that's gone, first of all, before they make a decision on how much they're going to lend you, basically. So if so, if you were self-employed, but it wasn't hasn't been two years yet, would you just have to wait or is there any other way? No, we, we do have some, some lenders. They're more specialist lenders. Oh, okay. They're allowed to use one year's worth of accounts. 
But, you know, whenever we hear the terms more risk from a lender's point of view, they're going to charge a bit more money for that oh, risk. Makes sense. So, for yeah. example, the majority of high street lenders are going to want two, maybe three years because that's that's provable. That's that's less risk than that. They can see how the business operate over that. Yeah, or safer. How operate. Exactly. It's safer for them. So there's less risk for them. It tends to be cheaper. So mm. most of the high street lenders are generally going to require an average of, say, the last two years. However, some more specialist lenders can just use one year or even potentially if you've had a massive uplift, can use the, the latest year rather than averaging the last two years, for example. Um, but as I say, when you jump from being employed to then going self-employed, it might be the same role. It could be, you know, potentially your your, your, your major client is still the same person you're employed by. But the lender's criteria, they look at that just a little bit differently because they're going to want to, you know, a lender won't know what you're earning until you um, do your end of year accounts. So for example, you know, we have, we have some clients who say, well, look, you know, I've just gone self-employed. You can see I've got, for example, I mean, it's quite a lot, I know, but for example, I've got 10,000 pounds in my business every single month, month in month, I've had that for the last six months. Well, look, you know, a lender can, can see that potentially, but, you know, if you've had 10,000 pounds worth of income for 11 months and, uh, and in your 12th month, you, you get a bill for what you've been buying for £100,000. Effectively, mm. you only made £10,000 that year. So a lender wants to look at, you know, your, your total income for that year and also look at how much uh, uh, tax you've paid on that income as well. Because, you know, lenders like to, to, to lend on taxable income. Um, so it means that, you know, we do have clients as well that do um, potentially, I don't know, they might earn some money in, in cash. Um, or whatever. I said, well, look, you know, everyone's different. Mm. A lender will only be able to use provable income that you pay tax on potentially. And they'll want to see that steady, um, like they would if you're employed. They want to see it's nice and steady um, and it's sustainable, basically, and provable. Okay. Um, so that's the only thing, as I say, is jumping from self employed to employed or limited company director. Sometimes if you move over straight away, you know, lenders aren't going to really truly know how much you've earned in that year till you get to the end of the tax year and you've done all your returns. Yeah. And most lenders are going to want to see, you know, two years worth of track record. Um, it's similar as well when you're jumping from being self-employed to being a limited company director. Um, again, there's a difference between those two potentially. Some lenders will kind of look at it in a wholesome way and will kind of understand the reason why people might go from being self-employed to being a limited company director is because their biggest their business is growing bigger, so they have to do it for kind of tax reasons. Mm. So there's a bit more flexibility there with lenders. But again, some lenders might want to see uh, at least two years worth of limited company accounts, even though you might have been self-employed for the last ten years. If that's the case, we might end up using those lenders potentially, and might use the ones that's best you. So for us, our job is all about kind of guiding you through the the, the best case scenario and finding you, you know, the the the, the very best as a broker's job, the very best lender for your situation. Um, so in those situations, as I say, we can use a lender maybe which understands that people go from being self-employed to being limited company directors and, and can use, you know, both parts of that. Um, but certainly, yeah, people which have you know left to go, you know, about to buy a property and they're leaving to kind of, you know, move over roles or move over to being self-employed potentially can mean they may have to wait, you know, depending on lender between one and three years. Yeah, I mean, makes sense safest um so yeah Luther. so um i understand you've got another question for us yeah so i understand that the deposit amount can change and affect your rate can you explain more about that uh yeah of course yeah so so basically uh mortgage lenders work in tiers basically so the more deposit you put down less the less risk you are to a lender they normally work in five percent increments 
So let's say, for example, you're buying a property which is two hundred thousand um, pounds. If you put down a five thousand pound deposit, uh, if you put sorry a, a ten thousand pound deposit down at two hundred thousand pounds, that's a five percent deposit. So you get one rate for for kind of five percent. You'd also get that same rate for putting down five and a half percent, six percent, seven, eight, nine. 9.9%, you're still going to get the same covers, rate, for example. Okay. Correct, yeah. It covers between 5% and kind of 9.9%. Okay. So say, for example, you had a deposit of, uh, it's not necessarily the, 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 the wrong amount as such, but say, for example, you had a uh, £200,000 dep- uh, property. Let's say, for example, you had £18,000 um, as a deposit. You might have some more behind you, but you might just only want to put down £18,000. What we can do is we can show you the differences between you putting down £18,000 deposit and then you putting down £20,000 deposit because that's going to knock you into the next bracket down, which is going to be 10%. Oh, okay. And that bracket will then stay then between 10% and kind of 14.9%. So mm. it works in kind of 5% increments. So if you put if you want to put down, say, for example, £18,000, um, we could look to see how much you could save by potentially putting down that additional one or two thousand pounds, for example, so you drop down into the next bracket. So potentially if people are kind of, you know, got it fixed in their then we'll put this amount down, at least ask the question, look, if I put more money down, will this make a difference on uh, the rate that I'm going to get? And we have seen quite a big difference, you know, historically when there was maybe, you know, uh, as much as, you know, 1% difference um, between, say, for example, a uh, 5% or 10% deposit, um, you know, you might find it might save you a couple of hundred quid a month. You might go, well, look, you know, is it worth him putting down an extra thousand pounds to save that two hundred pounds a month potentially? Um, so I would say definitely look at a kind of you know the deposit amount you've got and where that puts you in your loan to value bracket. Did that make any sense? Yes, it does. I, yeah, I got that. I got yeah, that. Right. Um, so yeah, so basically, it's just you know uh, seeing where you stand, where your deposit puts you in terms of your your, your loan to value bracket, and seeing how you can maximise that basically, and seeing whether putting down maybe a little bit more could get you into the next bracket down, for example, and save you you know a chunk per month. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, my next one: not making your payments on time. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean th- th- this is a, a really you know a, a key one, um, and we kind of touched a little bit on, on credit scores. Um, you know, we have had a client before, which you know, for example, had a uh, had a car on finance. Um, there was something wrong with the car, um, so they stopped paying the finance company for that car, um, and it got kind of quite heated. It got to the point of the client, you know, refusing to pay for the car because mm. it wasn't fit for purpose, or you know, whatever else it is. You know, in effect, the, the the client ended up then looking like they couldn't pay their car payments for the kind of six months, and the car payments were you know a couple of hundred quid a month. So potentially, the, the lenders, when they look at that client, will look at that and go, "Oh my gosh, you know, if they can't afford two hundred pounds a month for six months, yeah, I'm not really sure how they're going to afford you know fifteen hundred pounds a month, for example, as, as a mortgage." So that client had to go with with with, with a specialist. Um, and when they went with the specialist, it means their mortgage payments were ended up being for that particular client about four hundred pounds a, a month more month. For, wow. for a for a dispute. So what what I would say is that you know, you know, a lender or anyone else would, if they are in the wrong, they will always you know end up refunding that amount if they mm. generally is a mistake there. But please don't. Um, you know, almost cut off you know to 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 kind of prove a point because yeah, you know, l- lenders will have. You know, hundreds and thousands of, of, of people which I lend to every day, 
if you if you don't make your your payment or the proof point, that's not going to make a massive difference to them. Potentially, they're not going to be you know hugely out of pocket. It might make you feel a lot better, mm. and you're certainly going to begrudge paying that amount if you've got a problem the service caused. But what we would say is you know maintain all of your if, if you can you know make all your payments on time, um, and you know make it look as if you know you haven't had forms out because lenders don't put the reasons why there are late payments they just see they late care, payments yeah. they don't understand that the story be honest when, when a new lender looks at it and go oh that person provided a terrible service that's why they stopped paying they just look at it and go well you know they they obviously haven't paid it so that means that you know we're less confident on on giving them a chunk more money basically mm. um so i would say yeah you know make all your payments on time if you if you haven't got stuff set up on direct debit please do set up on direct debits because Stuff will happen in your life. You might go on holiday and end up with just, you know, a late payment here, a late payment there. Or it could be something which is more than that. But, you know, lender's going to look at your last six years worth of history, potentially. Mm. Um, and they're going to have a look and just see how confident they are that you'd be able to pay money back based on what you've done previously. So, yeah, it's more like, like no matter what's happening in the moment, think in the future of how like that will come across could as... potentially ab- yeah. affect you. Yeah. Keep that in the back of your mind, and, I would say. And you know that there are some some clients which we have had to put on quite a specialist or they haven't been able to do it for a little while because of that potentially. So if there's anything like that, just you know, reach out to your broker and see how that's going to affect you mm. kind of long-term potentially. Yeah, I've also heard that this one uh, also changes things. Making like a large deposit without the correct paperwork or information um, yeah, so basically when you buy a property, um, the, any lender or solicitor is going to want to see really um, how your deposit was, was made up. So say, for example, you know, you are putting savings in your bank account every single month, month in, month out. They can see that gradual build up of, of, of funds potentially. And if, say, for example, there's just, you know, a, a massive deposit which has come into your account and there's no way that you can, you know, relate to that. Then that could be slightly problematic because the lender's going to want to know, and certainly is going to want to know where that money's basically come from. And you know, it's not going to be a lender's not going to be as comfortable, or a solicitor's not going to be comfortable with you going. Well, yeah, I had um, twenty grand under my bed um, mm. for the last six months. Just decided to kind of pay it in. That's going to be much harder for everyone to trace, kind of you know where that money's come from. It'd be very different if, say, for example, that money was in a savings account, and we could see those. Three or four hundred pounds being added to it every single month. That's then transferred then to another account, um, which might be your. I'm ready to go out and spend this on on a property account. Mm. Well, at least we can look back and, and uh, we can track and make sure that we've seen that that has come from 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 you know good sources. It's not say, for example, I know from um, you know I know drugs or guns, for example. Yeah. It's you know made by legal means. If it comes, if, or if if they can't see where it comes from, then it could be from anywhere, couldn't it, I guess? Exactly, and and that, that's the kind of issue is the fact it could be from either real gotten means or it could be fraudulent or it could be whatever else it is, yeah. you know, from, from a provable place, then 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 that's all well and good. You know, we know that people do have to do stuff to, to kind of, you know, get to their deposits, whether it's, you know, they might have sold, heaven forbid, a project car or something like that that they've mm. had sitting around for a little while and, and had to sell that. Or they may have had some money that. So look, you know, the more you can document that, then the more comfortable you you, you, you can potentially feel about that happening. That you know, you've got yourself a question: Would I be happy to receive a load of cash from someone that I don't know? Well, probably not. Yeah. Because you don't know where it is or what it is. It could be fraudulent. It could be whatever. Um. So a lender's going to go through the exact same thought process, and certainly it's going to go through the exact same thought process, seeing you know where that money's come from, and and that money needs to be kind of you know approvable so that the lender's going to feel. Yeah, and the sister are going to feel comfortable with that, basically. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, so you know, not having a, a provable or not having a trail of funds is going to probably probably cause issues for you as as you go along. So moving on to the last one now, uh, I'd say I've heard undesirable items on your bank statements as a as an effect. Okay, well, when you say undesirable, there's probably a couple of things to to look at. So number one, and this is easy to deal with, is probably going to be payment references. So we do see a lot, and don't be wrong, I'm guilty of it as well, and it wasn't until <laughs> I started doing this a bit more in depth that I don't realize how much of a part this potentially plays. But look, you know, be aware that any payment references that you send between yourselves or to your other half or whatever else, those bank statements are going to get looked at and we're going to look at those for, income, for money coming in, money going out, look to ask what that's for. And we have had a couple of instances whereby partners have sent each other uh, monies marked with uh, lewd references and oh. the uh, lender has thought that potentially uh, we've had to then explain to them the lady isn't a sex worker. Um, <laughs> it's just so it's money a- was just sent forwards and backwards to her, to her, uh, for, from her boyfriend to her. Um, so I would say kind of try to clean up your statements a little bit beforehand because you are going to be questioning what they are and it can be a little bit embarrassing. They wouldn't take it as a joke then. Uh, <laughs> underwriters don't always have a massive sense of humour. Not the biggest sense of humour. So they're, they're kind of trying to give you hundreds of thousands of pounds and they're oh, well. a judge of what it is they are. So they're going to want to make sure that you're probably not a sex worker. You're probably. Um, so I would say look to clean up your statements and maybe ask some of those uh, references to maybe stop for a <laughs> for a while for a bit um because uh yeah you're gonna have to it's it's a it's a pretty big thing that you're gonna do and and you know trying to uh, explain to you know a 60 year old underwriter working in in lloyds of, of london or you know halifax as, as to why as to why that that isn't your your day job or extra activity that you do it's just going to be a little bit unnerving. A little bit. Um, we think it's hilarious, however. Lenders, not so much. Definitely. Um, and clients, when they have to explain <laughs> where that money's come from, why it is also a little bit embarrassing. A bit embarrassing. Um, the other is, the other thing you say undesirable there, the other thing that you might have come across is going to be um, things like, for example, uh, gambling on statements is another one. So, you know, it's all... Uh, well and, uh, and good, you know, to do a, a you know Saturday accumulator or whatever else it is, um, but potentially you know g- gambling can be a, a a bit of kind of an, an undesirable on on your bank statement because the lender's going to look at that and say, look, you know, how likely is a person to be able to stop that? Hmm. Um, you know, if they're spending you know three hundred quid a a, a a a a month on 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 betting and they might win some back again, is a person potentially going to be you know, have we built that into their affordability is something that they can control? Is it kind of starting to spiral out of control? So potentially could us lend this person mean they might have paid their mortgage back in, in six months or 12 months because of an addiction potentially mm. that, that, that they've got. Um, okay. Then, you know, that could have an effect as to whether or not the um, as whether or not the lender would, 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 would want to lend. Potentially, you know, as well as gambling, the lender's going to sometimes ask for bank statements saying, look, are your money coming in, money going out? So I would say kind of, you know, before you you have your mortgage, maybe get into kind of good practices. So maybe six beforehand, start to kind of, you know, maybe um, clean up your accounts. 
and maybe livers if you have a mortgage at least when lenders look for your statements they can see that say for example you'll be ideal well, yeah. let's say, for example, you haven't got £1,800 going out and you're actually spending £2,500 and borrowing £700 from mum and dad, potentially, yeah. um, to fund your your, your, <laughs> your lifestyle uh, of maybe going to clubbing. I'm thinking of one of our uh, one of our admin staff who spends <laughs> pretty much all of her money in Moomoo's when she's a local nightclub. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we're going to want to see potential. And is going to look at those statements and kind of, you know, make calls to whether they, they see based on that snapshot as to whether you are so... Like, you know, uh, undesirable references, you know, um, running your account um, uh, as if you're able to kind of pay balls every month and, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, gambling, any addiction such as that can also uh, make a difference to how a lender will, will kind of lend to you, basically. So that's pretty much the seven uh, biggest mistakes to avoid as a first time buyer. Um, so we know that some things may be out of your control, but avoiding these things will give you a much better chance of getting your mortgage accepted. Um, so that's all we've got time for today I hope you really enjoyed today's episode if you did please don't forget to leave a, a review and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode so sometimes we may actually talk about mortgages and so on which as you know is your regulated activity so that kind of may form a financial promotion so we just have to run through some risk warnings basically so first of all we're talking about residential mortgages your home may repossess. do not keep repayments on your mortgage we're talking about buy to let mortgages your property may repossess. if you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage talk about let to buy mortgages your property may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage uh, also some buy to let mortgages are not regulated by the financial conduct authority we've talked about lifetime home reversion plans this lifetime mortgage home reversion plan to understand features and risks please ask for a personal illustration if we happen to talk about debt consolidation we have to include the sentence think carefully before securing debts against your home your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage if we happen to talk about second charges or secured loans your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it but if we talk about equity release a lifetime mortgage is not available for everyone it's important to seek financial advice before taking any action all other options available should be explored before choosing equity release interest is charged on both the original loan and interest that's been added the amount you owe will increase over time reducing the equity left in your property potentially to nothing please discuss with your family and beneficiaries if we happen to talk about commercial Commercial lending. We have to let you know that commercial lending and some buy-to-let mortgages are not regulated by our financial conduct authority. And lastly, and most importantly, uh, Mortgage Monster's trade name of Just Mortgage Direct Limited, which is the appointed representative of the Open Work Partnership, trading style of Open Work Limited, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.